Good morning, and welcome to another edition of Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Braz. Monica is the communications manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario. And later in the program, we'll highlight scams to be on the lookout for, as reported by BBB Scam Tracker. This morning, we will help you pick an instrument to start your musical career. And we'll bring you tips on hiring a contractor for a renovation or an addition to your home. A renovation or adding an addition to your home is a major undertaking. So this morning, we welcome Craig Hardy of Covenant Construction to provide us with some basic information on what's involved in hiring a contractor to make that dream come true. Welcome to Ask BBB, Craig. Thank you. Glad to be here. So, Craig, you've been in the renovation and construction business for some time. You know, your experience is reflected in the information on your website. So we want to start talking and asking, you know, what some insights are based on your experience that you'd like to share with us. And first off, what is renovation fever? Because that seems to be something that's going on in London right now. <laughs> yes, you're uh, you're right about that. They are... It seems like every day the phone is continuing to ring and ring and ring. Everybody wants to do it. Everybody wants to do it now. And uh, it is nonstop. Uh, and I think it's a combination of things. We were, we've been talking. It's people who are moving here from out of town. They've sold their Toronto home and have a lot of extra money to spend. They uh, suddenly have instant equity because the real estate market has gone so uh, increased so much in the last little while, and and the banks just seem to be lending money a lot. That's renovation fever in terms of a lot of people doing it, but you have a definition of renovation fever, something that comes on to people after the renovation starts. Well, there is, sometimes that's good and bad fever, <laughs> sort of like the the flu bug that goes around. You know, I mean, a lot of times it, it's a Clients get into the middle of the project and they, they sort of – things take off. And and a lot of times if they've really planned the project well, it's a good fever. They're excited. Um, they're, they're not stressed out. They've, they've packed everything away. They know where things are. But if they haven't really planned it out, it can be really stressful. And I think that's sometimes the part that no one ever talks about is that stressful aspect of it. Yeah, especially because most times people are renovating bathrooms and kitchens, right? Like, so think about where are you going to eat for the next little while and how are you going to take that bath? So to that point, what would be the first step then in planning for a renovation? So so first thing is really looking at what you want versus what you need. And sometimes those lines are blurred. Uh, usually we sort those wants and needs out uh, based on what they've either looked at online, either – I mean it used to be people would have magazines. Now it's they have a, a house page or they send us their Pinterest folders and things like that. But So those sort of help a lot with that process. But really where it comes down to wants and needs is once we uh, figure out the budget because very quickly the things that everyone thinks are needs – will become wants uh, once we attach a budget number to them. Craig, how important are permits and inspections in that renovation process to avoid the fever? (laughs) Well, so, I mean, permits are are, uh, mandatory in Ontario, so obviously in the City of London, for a number of different things. So certainly a, a homeowner, you can go right to the City of London website, and there's a list of every project that requires a building permit. Uh, everything from uh, a shed that's bigger than roughly 100 square feet to, um, you know, putting an addition on or 
even sometimes just what we people say, well, I'm I'm staying within, you know, I'm not adding on, so I don't need a permit. And no, the answer is usually yes, you do. <laughs> but permits are good for a number of reasons. One, they protect the homeowner um, because someone other than whoever is doing the work is looking at it to ensure that it's been uh, it's done correctly. It's followed what the building code. Uh, it's followed the design that usually an engineer has stamped and certified to be correct and, and accurate. So, I mean, it certainly protects them on that aspect. But it also, as I said, just um, there's so many times now people will get renovations done without permit. We see it still. And suddenly when they go to sell, um, the realtors are pulling up that there's been work done at this house and there's never been a permit for it because that information's all online. It's all available. Yeah. And, it, and again, it's just a good protection mechanism. Generally speaking, if someone says you shouldn't get a permit for this, um, you should ask a couple more questions. There are always going to be instances where we can't get a permit. Um, some of the new height restrictions for basements – if your house was built in 1970, your basement to finish is not generally going to comply with the new requirements. So there's sometimes where it's not possible. Okay, so permits are one thing. Then there's quotes. So if you get more than one quote because you're thinking of doing a renovation, how do you end up comparing the quotes and knowing who to go with? For most clients, that is probably one of the hardest things to do. Uh, we quite often will get um, – <laughs> After they've met with us and, uh, you know, two or three different uh, contractors, uh, they'll look at us and say, were you three even in the same house? Like the quotes are, you know, so different. And a lot of times people will just look at what's the bottom price and they say, oh, you're $3,000 more or you're $30,000 more. But they don't really look at what the quotes are for. So our quotes are really specific in that, you know, it says – uh, what we've allowed for your every plumbing fixture, what we've allowed for your windows and doors, what we've allowed for, you know, all the thing, floor tiles or cabinets or anything that you can really um, spend $10 or $10,000 on. And every once in a while, you know, somebody will find something that you just had no clue. We just recently had someone spend over $4,000 on a toilet. Um, we don't normally budget for that, Right. But it is important to make sure that everything's in there. I mean, not that long ago, we had a project that we quoted, uh, and they decided to go with another company. And they told me who it was, and I said, oh, you'll be happy with them. They're a great company. They do good work. Um, you know, I asked why, and she said, well, it just came down to budget. You know, their their price was a bit, bit less. And I said, okay. You know, I said, they'll do a good job. And then I ran into her at the plumbing place, I don't know, three or four months later, and I asked just, how's it going? And she said – Good and bad. And I said, oh, why is that? And she said, well, she said, I'm really having trouble finding a tub. I said, oh, well, that's the tub I budgeted right there. She said, yeah, but that's more than double what the budget I have is. And I said, oh. And she said, you know, in the end, Craig, probably when we add everything up, your quote will be five to $10,000 less than what we actually end up spending because we've been over budget on a number of things. And I think that's really important. You want to know that there's enough detail in the quote that you know exactly what you're getting and not getting. And you know that, you know, you're, you're going to be able to stay within that budget. Should the contract then reflect that quote and would the contract be to those dollars? So, I mean, ours hmm. are, yes. I, I think any contract should reflect what the scope of work is going to actually include. And it should list it. Um, I think the days are over of – 
that one-page contract that says we're going to renovate your bathroom and it includes plumbing fixtures. Um, you know, we still see some of these quotes. Um, we used to say they were the penny saver guys. Now it's the Kijiji guys. But it really needs to give you all the information that you need to know. So one other thing that is really an issue right now in London is so much demand. So what's realistic timelines for people to be thinking about if they are wondering about doing a renovation? So generally speaking, um, if you are looking at a bathroom, you could probably still get it done this year, maybe, if you really move on it. If you want to do an addition or a large project, for anyone with a good reputation, you should be waiting till next year. Um, it is just we are booking out so far, you know, compared to other years. The last two to three years has just been like that, and it's steadily gotten busier and busier. Well, Craig, so if someone says they can start tomorrow, you should probably be concerned. Okay. Well, Craig, uh, uh, considering how busy you are, we thank you very much for taking time to be with us here this morning. All right. Thanks. It was good. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been Craig Hardy, who is the owner of Covenant Construction, an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. When we return, we'll bring you notes on picking a guitar. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan with Monica Braz, Communications Manager with BBB, serving Western Ontario. Music makes the world go round. Music is the universal language. And so on this goes, round and round. We welcome someone who can help us play a part in music making. Mark Dixon is the owner of Picker Alley in Sarnia and is on the line from his store this morning. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. How are you today? So, Mark, what instruments are most popular with people who are just beginners and wanting to play a musical instrument? Um, well, guitar and piano have traditionally been the most popular instruments, mainly because they're relatively easy to play, especially the piano, because it's like pushing a button to make a sound, whereas the guitar takes a little more dexterity and technique. Um, but throughout the years, there's been different instruments that have come in and out of favor with beginners, and lately the ukulele has been a real popular um, instrument for people starting out. But I always warn people that if they're looking for the uke to be a gateway instrument, so to speak, to eventually playing the guitar, and this is mostly true for young children, that they're still going to have to learn basically from scratch when they go to switch over to guitar. The only benefit will be uh, the fact that they have some experience on an instrument, like timing, strumming, etc., but they're not the same thing. There's a different number of strings, and they are tuned completely differently. So, uh, Mark, how much difference can an instrument make in the learning process? Can a poor instrument hamper progress? I always tell people to buy the best instrument that you can afford, within reason. If you skimp on getting a better beginner guitar just to save 30 or $40, <clears throat> then you're doing yourself or your child a disservice. Quality, setup, and the way a guitar is put together are definitely key in its playability and the beginner's enjoyment of that instrument. When looking at buying a used guitar especially, if you don't know what to look for, you could find yourself with a difficult-to-play or completely unusable instrument. Also, make sure the guitar is strung up so that you can see if it's stable and in good working order. Okay, so since we're talking about guitars, ukuleles, why not talk about banjos or mandolins too? And maybe are there any like points about care of instru in the instruments so that it works properly and it maintains its value while you have it? 
Yes, it's um, it's important to make sure you take care of your new musical instrument. It needs to be kept in a safe place, either on a stand or a wall hook, or better yet, in its case. Um, humidity is also a huge issue, especially living in Canada, where our furnaces are pumping hot, dry air into our homes for more than half the year. Drying out is one of the main causes of instrument damage, and this is especially true on brand new instruments that have always been kept at optimal levels during manufacturing process, and generally the humidity levels have been good while well in the dealer's care, and then it's purchased by someone who doesn't keep it properly humidified. Um, your guitar, ukulele, banjo, or mandolin needs to be maintained at a relative humidity of between 45 and 55%. If these levels aren't maintained, then the wood can dry out, causing neck issues, shrinking, and the splitting of the top, back, or sides. I've seen it many times, especially at this time of year when people have uh, subjected their instruments to poor humidity conditions for several months now. So I always recommend a sound hole or inside the case guitar humidifier be used or get a room size humidifier if possible. Also uh, regular string changes and lubrication of the wooden parts, the open pore wooden parts, such as the fingerboard on your instrument, they're important too. How important is choosing an amplifier to match up with that guitar? Well, a good amplifier will certainly make your guitar sound better, as will a poor-sounding guitar make a good amp sound bad, and vice <laughs> versa. <laughs> so if you're on a really tight budget, I always suggest to people to put the bulk of your money into the guitar. Get a working, functioning amplifier, preferably one with a headphone jack in it, and you can always build from there. You know, you upgrade the amp later. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about drums. What advice do you give to people who want to learn to play the drums? Um, you know, is there a starter kit? What does it look like? And then also, what about budget? Oh, drums, yes. Um, <laughs> well, <laughs> when it comes to learning how to play the drums, I would always advise someone to get a few lessons and get down some basics at first. People who set up a drum set and just thrash around on it, they aren't going to get any enjoyment out of their drums in the long run and will probably end up giving up quickly. When it uh, comes to purchasing a drum set, you can expect to pay significantly more for a decent beginner's drum kit than you would for a beginner's guitar. However, prices are much better in this part of the market than they used to be. Even 10 to 15 years ago, you could expect to pay at least $1,000 for a mm -hmm. decent basic setup. Nowadays, Pearl and other manufacturers make great junior drum sets for only $399, and a good quality, complete, full-size drum kit for as little as $669 plus tax. And uh, by complete, I mean you get a five-piece drum set, including a snare drum, bass drum, floor tom, and two upper or rack mount toms, plus all the necessary hardware, the stool, and three cymbals, which are the hi-hats, the ones that clap together, a uh, ride cymbal and a crash cymbal. Wow, so you get the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> the whole kit and caboodle, well right. put. Yeah. So what are some of the things that people should know if they're shopping online for musical instruments? Well, that's a great question, because online shopping is still a relatively new thing, and even though it's getting better and safer, people can still easily make some basic mistakes. First off... Know your prices and be sure you're comparing apples to apples. If you're checking out a certain product, go to other websites to see if you can find the same thing. Read reviews if possible, but always, and I can't emphasize this too much, always 
check with your local dealer. Um, we have many times had customers come in the store with a guitar that's been just been delivered to their house and firstly it needs some kind of repair or adjustment or two we had the same instrument for the same price or cheaper or we had a used one that was like new for significantly less money and excuse me with no shipping charges or risks so and we deal with a lot of higher end guitars and this is where we really see some problems with online shopping there are a few things that are happening First, the seller might not be trustworthy or is not a proper dealer for that product, which directly affects its warranty status, a thing that a lot of people don't even think about. And the seller doesn't describe the instrument's condition in an honest manner. And number two, there are a lot of forgeries out there. That's right. The same thing that affects designer handbags and clothing is happening to high-end popular brand acoustic and electric guitars contraband product from China and really all over the world are being sold for what seem like cheap prices on eBay and other so-called reputable websites. And if someone doesn't know what to look for, they can get severely ripped off. Wow. So Also, yeah, after all that, though, if you do decide to buy a musical instrument online, make sure you know the vendor and that they have a good reputation, a good record or rating that can be easily substantiated. Also, make sure they have a return policy that allows time for you to check the guitar out and make sure that it is as advertised. Wow. So if you really want to make this investment, try to find someone that you know that you can trust, which is why we're here today. So what's the best way for people to be able to contact you, Mark? There are several ways that we can be contacted. You can send us an email through our website, www.pickersalley.com, or you can post or send a private message to us on our Facebook page. Uh, We are also on Twitter and Instagram. And if you wish, you can reach us through the good old telephone at 519-344-7740. Mark, thanks very much for your time here this morning. Thank you, folks. It's been a great pleasure for me. You're listening to Ask BBB, and our guest has been Mark Dixon of Pickers Alley in Sarnia. Pickers Alley is an accredited business with the Better Business Bureau with an A-plus rating. And you can find them in the BBB directory under Musical Instruments. We'll return in a moment with notes on scams in our region. Welcome back to Ask BBB. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Braz. Monica is the Communications Manager with BBB Serving Western Ontario. And Monica, one of the features of Ask BBB's website is... Scam Tracker. Yes, Scam Tracker provides information about scams in our region and all across North America. BBB Scam Tracker allows consumers to post information about scams that they've been involved with. You can report a scam whether or not you were a victim, or maybe you were just approached with a scam, and it's important to alert others that the scam is active in our region, and so by posting it on BBB Scam Tracker, others can then reference and see what's going on. The information gathered by the Scam Tracker is the source for the annual BBB Scam Tracker Risk Report that the Better Business Bureau puts out. The 2019 report was released last week. Monica, what makes the risk report different than the top 10 reported scams? Well, the top 10 would just be a list of the of by volume, but um, the BBB Risk Index actually is a three-dimensional approach to measuring the scam risk. So we can better understand which scam types pose the highest risk. We look at three things, exposure, so that would be volume of reports, um, the susceptibility, so the percentage of those who 
are exposed to the scam and fall for the scam, and then also the monetary loss. So the median dollar amount of losses reported. So by combining these three factors, we gain a more meaningful picture of the scam risk that just goes beyond merely the number of reports that we received about a particular one. We call this unique formula the BBB risk index. So for more information on the report, you can go to bbb.org forward slash risk report. And then we can see all of the riskiest scams. And we'll talk more about this next week when we are back with Ask BBB. That's all our time for this week, Monica. Remember, you can contact us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at BBB Western ONT. If you have a question or a guest suggestion, tweet us at hashtag AskBBB. And if you're interested in becoming a BBB accredited business, visit us online at BBB.org. And thanks for listening this morning. I'm Jim Swan. And I'm Monica Brass. Remember, ask BBB. And start with trust.